0: Hi, Sharyana.
1: Hello, Serge. Nice to meet you.
0: Same here. So today, before you and I talk, um, people who listen to this will have something a little different, is you're going to lead them into uh, an experiential of about 10 minutes or so. That's right. And so you have the floor. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, or the screen, as the case may be. <laughs>
0: as they say, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like to begin uh, things with a bit of settling, but especially looking at the kind of material I'm looking at, pre- and perinatal material, it's really helpful to be settled and resourced. So I'd like to invite everyone listening to um, just take a moment to let yourself begin to settle into your body, into this moment, whatever supports you in arriving here a bit more. And perhaps beginning with just being aware of whatever you're aware of as we begin. There may be some thoughts some curiosity or anticipation. Or maybe something left over from whatever part of your day you've had already today. Maybe there's some feelings, emotions. It's taking note, whatever is there. Including whatever you sense in your body, the sensations, what draws your attention? Perhaps a sense of breath. If it's helpful, letting yourself be aware of how and where the breath is moving through your body just now.
2: and including
1: a sense of what I like to call ground, your relationship with the support of gravity, Mama Earth under us. I like to think of Mama Earth always there holding us in her lap. Can we feel that? Can we rest into that? So, can you feel your seat, your feet? The contact, places of contact. Maybe your hands or arms are resting somewhere on your body. Can you feel that contact? Noticing how it is to sense into that if it feels right for you in this moment. You may even be aware of a slight shifting of those places of contact with each breath. perhaps some sense of slowing down perhaps more sense of space softening as we begin to settle together what speaks to you of settling and what else supports you in being able to Settle and arrive into this moment with whatever is present for you. What's supportive for you serves as a resource for you, lets you know that you're okay in this moment. that may be your breath or sense of ground it may be really anything that helps you to feel good, to feel safe, perhaps to feel happy. If you think about something that supports you, if you orient to resource. Do you sense any changes inside you, in your body, maybe in your breath, sensations? What supports you in resting just a bit more in this moment? And from this place that I hope feels more settled for you, I'd like to invite you to consider your current age as I'm assuming you're an adult now, whatever your age is now. And from that place, considering your very early life, the little one that you were. We're going to be looking at today at experience in the womb and around the time of birth. So you may have a sense of yourself as a little one that early. Or maybe it's a bit later. If you inquire into the little one that you were, the little one that's still there inside you, what is your sense of that little one? And is there something that they need that would help them, would support them? And this is an invitation for you, assuming your current age now as an adult, to offer that something to the little one within you. being curious what you would want to offer if you could to the little one that you were. And is there a way you can offer that to them in your mind, in your imagination, perhaps in your body, perhaps you want to hold them. You can actually hold your body. That's a way of holding them. Perhaps you want to hold them in your heart, letting yourself really feel the the warmth, the caring compassion in your heart. Or perhaps just letting them know that you've made it through that time and here you are in this life that you have now. Capable of so many things you couldn't do back then. Just taking a moment to, if it feels right, to offer whatever you feel to offer. Noticing how that is for you and also for the little one in you. How does the little one respond? Or do they? If this feels helpful... I'd like to suggest continuing to hold or take care of the little one um, as we move through what we're going to explore today, what we're going to talk about. And so really letting yourself feel yourself as the adult that you are, feeling your ground, your breath. It's something I like to do when I'm doing a talk like this when I'm teaching or working, is to invite my little one to either sit in my lap or I put her in my heart, make sure she knows she doesn't have to do anything here. She's much too little to do the things that I'm doing. That would be overwhelming for her. But to take care of, I take care of her. To notice if that feels like it's right for you. And then gently starting to let your adult body that you have now start to move and stretch any way that feels good. Maybe wiggling some fingers and toes, or anything else that wants to wiggle. <sighs> and gently, as you're ready, letting your eyes open if they were closed. And I'd encourage you to actually look around the room, the space that you're in, see where you are now. If there's a window, you can look out the window. Maybe even notice if there's anything in the room you're in that you really like. It feels like a resource to you. You might want to let your little one know, wow, look at this cool thing I have in my life now.
2: <laughs>
1: so, yeah, I'm hoping that It's helpful as a way to arrive. And it's a way that I like to guide people into this material. And the inspiration for this talk today was my new book, which those of you who are watching the video, this is my new baby. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, It's called Spirit Into Form, Exploring Embryological Potential and Prenatal Psychology. And this... I call it my new baby. Um, it really felt like a birth and a gestation process, which went over 17 years. And yeah. um, the, the inspiration for the book, um, where do I begin? Now? I mean, it really began before I had an idea to write a book, uh, which was when I was studying somatic dance movement psychotherapy. And I was introduced to the field of pre and perinatal psychology, which is um, looking at our experience before and around the time of birth and how that affects us throughout our lives. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And something in me, sorry, you want to say something? Yeah,
0: I just think, uh, so part of the, the idea is to give people an experience of remembering, re-experiencing, experiencing experiencing, um, what it was um, at that time.
1: Yeah, I take it a step further, though, because that's the popular way to um, engage in prenatal and birth therapy. Um, I'm really careful to make sure people don't go in there and get lost there Mm -hmm. after having years of that kind of experience. That was quite painful and not necessarily healing Um, gave me a lot of insight but didn't necessarily heal but so I really work with modern trauma therapies bringing that in and mindfulness but also to me there's incredible potential in that early time when we're developing and uh, you know you think about we begin as one little unicellular organism and it becomes these complex bodies you know, on the physical level, and we live in these bodies, hopefully, you know, we have consciousness as well. And that's a great mystery how that all happens, really. Um, But that's incredible potential. And what I've seen is that, you know, when we've had difficult experiences, traumatic experiences, the potential of that time can get forgotten. And in fact, our whole experience from that time tends to be forgotten, pushed into shadow in our modern Western world, at least. The mm-hmm. meaning that you know, shadow is a term that comes from Jungian psychology from Carl Jung. And it, it has to do with aspects of the unconscious mind that you know we're not aware of them. We've had to push things back and put things there because they weren't acceptable. And then other people might be aware of our own shadow material, but we're not.
2: We're not, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Or we project it onto others. We see that, you know, that person I can't stand, you know, chances are they have qualities that are in my shadow. <laughs> and what, I've, what I've been aware of is that our experience in the womb and around the time of birth tends it's it's changing but it tends to not be talked about it tends to not be acknowledged so when little toddlers begin to talk about what they experienced in the womb or what their birth was like people kind of go oh aren't they cute you know mm-hmm. and that's it <laughs> whereas if they went to the zoo and they came back and were talking about you know the the zebra that they saw you know mummy might say um Oh yes, and the you know the stripes were really interesting. Remember the elephant, and you know they help them bring that into conscious um, verbal memory,
0: yeah, so it becomes yeah.
1: integrated.
0: Yeah. So essentially, that um, if there's no language for it, if there's no awareness of something happening there, then um, uh, we tend to not believe that it exists. So when we reclaim this, what kind of things emerge? Um, you know, it's kind of a, a, a travel brochure of uh, <laughs> the attractions that you might encounter if you take that journey.
1: Right. Well, it's a great question. And again, people tend to mainly focus on the problematic things that emerge. And, and I, I'll talk about some of those. But I also want to emphasize the potential can come back. So, you know, somebody, for example, who's felt their whole life like they're not welcome or they don't feel um, like they are worthy of being alive. You know, they don't feel good about being here might discover that actually they were very wanted and but there were circumstances in their parents' life that made it difficult for the parents to express that mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you know that can change their personality
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Know, so that's, a, that's so, a great example because um that's something you know that we talk about awareness and awareness of being wanted and obviously this awareness does not come in concepts does not come in uh, in phrases you know in words um so how, what, what's, what's the kind of experiences that have people discover, you know, um, that they were wanted?
1: Mm-hmm. How, do, how does
0: it seep into consciousness?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that brings us such great, great questions. <laughs> you know, and I think that really brings us into the territory of memory.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: how can we have memory that early? And how does it work? And uh, part of what brought me into this field, when I was, well, when I first was learning about pre and perinatal psychology, and I felt so inspired, I had to go off and get my PhD in it, you know, as a way to really help me study it. I realized that embryology was really important as part of it. Because, you know, we learn through our bodies, everything's in our bodies. And I thought a little a little one in the womb is changing so quickly. To me, it's a bit like being an adolescent, you know, from day to day, they're going, who am I? Because their body's so different, but even more so as an embryo. And, you know, how could an embryo not be learning or experiencing through the changes in their body? Mm -hmm. Those those changes happen in relation to the context that they're in. So we can go back to, uh, cellular biology and um, so there's a wonderful cell biologist Bruce Lipton who talks about how you know cells or tissues can either be in growth or protection even a cell a single cell any unicellular organism will react to threat by withdrawing so if the little one experiences threat on some level, and we can go into what that might be, but if that happens on some level, there's going to be some kind of withdrawal. And that gets translated into um, perhaps holding oneself small or tension in the tissues um, or blockages, okay? Um, Or as the nervous system develops, it's developing in relationship to that understanding or perception of the world is dangerous. So it's um, more, it's it's likely to be more oriented to a stress response. And so a person might be very anxious or they might have sudden kind of flooding of emotions. They don't know where they came from. Um, Or they might um, really common is that they're dissociative, so they're, they don't experience their body, you know, or they're not very present. Um, and, and that can happen to varying degrees. And often those kinds of experiences, we find, uh, go all the way back to the very beginning.
0: Yeah. In
1: film or even conception.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we're talking about embodied experience and the re-experiencing it um, brings back the the lessons or how the programming or the uh the 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 how as a little one we reacted to the environment and you describe the basic grammar of uh, contracting, tightening, uh you know, under threat or expanding. Um, when safe and welcome, and so uh, re-experiencing some of that um, reconnects us to the experiences in the womb.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you know, I people are often re-experiencing it every day of their lives, but they don't realize it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So you know, one way to to work with this, if you know, some people work in this field by doing regression work maybe with hypnosis or something like that, breath work, you know, there's different ways in. Um, I find just mindful awareness in a supportive uh, holding field can be really helpful. And with the understanding that you know, this could be related to early experience. Mm-hmm. And then we can look at, well, what's happening right now? You know, How do I feel about being here with you? It's like, well, actually, And I feel like I'd like to go hide, you know, for example. And, and I might ask a question like, well, how young or old do you feel right now when you're in feeling that? And often that takes people back to it's like, well, actually, wow, this is weird. I feel like, (laughs) you know, um, I'm a four week old embryo. Um, (laughs) and my parents have just discovered me and they don't want me. I come back to that not wanting, um, that's a very common one uh, not the, not necessarily not being wanted but ambivalence mm-hmm, about mm-hmm, having a mm-hmm. child you know most pregnancies actually aren't planned and these days you know there's work on conscious conception and the parents you know prepare themselves physically and psychologically beforehand you know really ready to welcome a child and a child in that case is likely to have a very different kind of, Experience of a different context to form in than a child that um, is. You know, my my father grew up hearing that he was an accident. You know, he mm. wasn't an accident. His conception was
0: right. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> so coming reframe. in as
1: a surprise. You know, even parents that really want a child often at the moment they discover they're pregnant, they go, oh, my God, you know, I wasn't ready. Or I've worked with so many uh, new parents who would say something like, I just wanted to take that dream trip to India before having my child. You know, or there's something or we, you know, we wanted to, I wanted to finish my education or, you know, get a better job or whatever. um and, and they may un- end
0: so up. I want to, really as we're welcoming. as we're as we're talking, uh, you know, I'm just noticing that there's um, like my eyes get a little teary, and so I want maybe to invite people who are listening to pay attention to what's happening inside as we talk about these things.
1: Yeah, so important, and you know, that's a, a call to take a pause, maybe rest for a moment. You know, really feel our breath, our ground, whatever's resourcing. Remembering our current age can be helpful to remind ourselves that we already made it through that time, whatever it was. And that's not about trying to deny or pretend the emotions aren't there. But we have that little one within us, but we aren't the little one. We're more than that. And as adults, we can we can resource, we can find what supports us in being able to stay present with it. That's where the healing can happen, really being present with it. That creates a different context.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the little one is present, but it's not all of you. And you are present with it.
1: Yes. One of the important things to understand in in pre and perinatal work is that little ones aren't able to differentiate between um, what is somebody else's and what's theirs. Like their mother's, for example, their mother's feelings, they just experience them directly. And they also can't differentiate between uh, in time. So that happened back then, and this is happening now. So like when I'm also a craniosacral therapist, when I work with babies in that way, they, you know, their big experience has been their birth, whether it was traumatic or not. Um, You know, you have a big experience, you want to tell everybody about it, right? (laughs) You want to talk about it. So babies, you know, they they look at me, they go, oh, you get this, okay. And they immediately start showing me their birth. But I have to help them to stay in present time. So that if it was traumatic, they don't get lost there. They don't. Their experience will be that it's happening all over again.
0: Yeah. And
1: if yeah. there was trauma, they're traumatized all over again. Okay. So, and, and looking at little one material, it's very easy to slip into that uh, state of having trouble differentiating. So we so have to practice, sense,
0: practice as it. an adult. As an adult, you know, a trained adult. Uh, Looking at the baby, um, what are the signs that tell you that, you know, the little one is kind of going back into trauma versus um, it's a a good experience right now?
1: Mm. Well, it comes back to presence is the main Mm -hmm. thing. So babies that are in present time are uh, relational. They'll make eye contact. Though if you talk to them, they'll look at you
2: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
1: and and what can happen with a baby who's uh, reenacting their birth is they'll start that way and then they start to look off into the distance, and it's like they're gone. you know there's a feeling mm-hmm. of them not being present because okay? that's how babies deal with with overwhelm okay? so usually they're their mom is their most important resource. And at that point, I, oh, I try to keep them from going that far, but, you know, I, I, um, help them to reconnect with mom, you know, so they can come back and know that it's safe and we can tell them, you know, so we're here now with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that sense of, um, uh, you know, there it's so intense, then they're no, not able to make the connection. This is then. This is now. This was then. This is now. And so they're hijacked into the past. They're looking away. They're able, unable to make the connection. Yes. And so you help restore the connection. And yes. so restoring the present time. And say, you know, now this is not the trauma. This is this is okay. Yes.
1: Exactly. And and it's the same that I do, you know, if like when you were getting teary,
0: you know, mm-hmm.
2: I
1: can see you're present. But, you know, if you started to seem like you weren't here,
2: <laughs> right, right. Um, you know,
1: I help you to come back, like I did when you suggested that, you know, people pay attention to their bodies. It's like, well, we can remind ourselves, or I can remind you that you're know, whatever age you are now. I won't ask what age you are now, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, we can come back into this time and go, well, right here, I'm here with you now. You know, this isn't actually your birth now. Um, that memory's there. That's, I'm sorry, that's how it was back then. But now you're here. And, you know, if it was a baby, I had, now you're here. Mommy's here with you. You know, and often a, a challenge for babies is that their mothers, they're separated from their mothers for some medical reason.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: which may or may not be necessary, but um, sometimes it's necessary. But that's terrifying for a baby. And it's really challenging for the mother, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we keep coming back to the sense that what is really crucial for us is that connection. Yes. That, by, that bonding. And uh, you know that a sense of when it's broken or when it's uh, there's a threat, there's danger. How to come back to the safety of it, and that's the, literally the cradle in which we become who we are.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, I find the work of Stephen Porges so helpful in relation to this work, where he talks about our social engagement nervous system, which is Mm -hmm. um, the the aspect of our autonomic automatic nervous system that enables us to engage and to, it's also connected with parts of the brain that help us to be in present time. So from that place, and I'm gesturing to my face because it's very much related to the face and the heart um, and hearing all those senses that enable us to communicate uh, in that state, the social engagement nervous system, we can accurately assess our safety in present time. We can
0: mm-hmm. perceive mm-hmm. safety. Yeah, yeah.
1: But if we're in one of the other two states that he identifies, uh, where our sympathetic fight-flight nervous system is overactivated, you know, we're in that defensive system. We're geared towards danger. We can't actually accurately perceive safety. Mm-hmm. And also, if we go further than that into uh, a parasympathetic state of overwhelm, freeze, collapse, which is what's happening when the baby's looking off in the distance somewhere, right? We can't, it's a defensive nervous system state. We can't perceive safety. So you know, I try to support little ones or people in a little one state. <laughs> you know, in Um, being able to be relational, letting, maybe, maybe they can't make eye contact, but they can hear my voice. Yeah. I try to speak in a way that's soothing, that feels safe, help them remember things that help them to feel safe Um, and doing things like, like I was suggesting holding ourselves earlier, you know, just, and people might want to do this right now, just to feel more embodied. You know, we can squeeze our bodies and feel more present as um, the physical body lets us know we're here because when we're in that state of collapse, it's harder to feel the body. But when we squeeze it, it starts to create a bit of tone. We start to have a bit more alertness. The sympathetic starts to come back and we can come into presence
0: more. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was very grounded in uh, an awareness of the three circuits of the nervous system, of the autonomic nervous system. So that gives a roadmap for when connection is possible and otherwise how to use connection to restore into social engagement mode and the ability to to have that kind of mindful, connected presence.
1: Yes. And that, that sense of connection is what tells little ones they're safe, even before they have a nervous system.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. So even, um, it seems like even at conception, uh, you know, depending on what was happening, you know, what was the parent's relationship like? like um, were they aware of even wanting to bring a little one in, you know, or, or very early on. So the cell is reacting to the environment, to the, the context it's in. And cells remember, you know, we wouldn't have an immune system if there wasn't cellular memory. How mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we remember what's, what we perceive as good or bad, as safe or threatening. So, you know, it's like even on a cellular level where because little ones are completely dependent on, especially their mother, but their parents and maybe their community for safety, you know, for survival, they cannot survive on their own. They absolutely need connection. Yeah. And where parents aren't connecting with their baby or, you know, maybe mother's extremely stressed um, or she's just gone through a tragic day. You know, Maybe she lost a parent or something like that. Um, you know, and she's not able to be there for the baby. The baby is going to feel unsafe. Right? They're not going to feel the connection so much. Often yeah. they start looking for a way to take care of the mother and become what we call a prenatal therapist. A lot of us who are therapists got started way back. <laughs> you know, we know how to do it as we started, before we were born, even.
0: Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. And so maybe that sounds like a good segue for um, why you called your book um, From Spirit into Form. Ah.
1: <laughs> ah, well, the book went through a whole evolution. <laughs> um, I actually originally called it Fluid and Cosmos. Um, mm. and, and that was inspired so the, the book gestated, I think I said, for 17 years. Um, and, and I discovered when I decided to really focus on it a couple of years ago, that I had started taking notes on it as I was preparing to meet my, became my dear mentor, Emily Conrad, who developed Continuum, which is a, a mindful movement practice um, where we really inquire into our fluid, our natural fluid state and it, it takes us into embryological type states in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was incredibly inspiring. You know, she was considered a somatic visionary. And to me, it's like every word she said was like, oh, you know, that's new. <laughs> you know, everything we did was was something new there. Um, she, you know, she sadly passed away uh, seven years ago. But... um. Her to me, her work was very much about uh, being in our fluid body. So we're made up mostly of fluid, and one of the things that she noted was that as we do the very things we do in continuum, and we 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 soften, we slow down, and we our movement becomes more fluid, we come into a state that's more like an embryo. And she would often say that the embryo is made up of spiraled fluid and the cosmos is made up of spiraled fluid. And so there's a resonance between them. Mm -hmm. There's a direct communication. And to me, cosmos is spirit. (laughs) So um, I'm fascinated by how this, this huge cosmic intelligence that we are comes into these bodies. And you know, they they say that we're made up of mostly of stardust that's fallen to earth. So that kind of resonates with that idea also. But I had the the great fortune to have um, the spiritual embryologist Yap van der Waal. Uh, I call him Jaap wonderful um, he's a Dutch embryologist and he's, he's a brilliant storyteller for anyone who doesn't know him, you know, if you get a chance to take one of his, uh, workshops or listen to him talk, um, he's quite fascinating, uh, making embryology available, but he looks at it from a spiritual perspective. And, um, I invited him to write a foreword for my book and he enthusiastically said, well, send it to me. Um, (laughs) when I sent him my first draft, uh, He really, he surprised me. He didn't, I thought he would just look it over and write a forward. But instead he went through it with a fine tooth comb and gave me all kinds of feedback. And one of the bits of feedback he gave me was um, that he thought the title didn't quite suit what I was writing about. And would people understand this cosmos and fluid, fluid and cosmos thing, which was Emily Conrad language. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So um, it shifted titles, (laughs) spirit into form. And it's really about how spirit coalesces into form and spirit meaning both like cosmos, which to me is, you know, the stardust and the light and the, we talk about original blueprint in um, pre and perineo psychology Um, and a vast intelligence. And it also includes this mysterious element of our own spirit coming in you know people call it soul or whatever but it's something at conception there's the material from the sperm the material from the egg both of those carry the parents uh history as well um and a third something you know our own spirit coming in and those come together and weave a new human being um, into form,
0: yeah. So um, it's about so we're that. Talking, whether we conceive of spirit as something that's transcendent or that emerges from matter, from the body. there's kind of essentially the emergence of spirit of how you know spirit and embodiment uh, function together,
1: mm, bringing spirit, bringing yeah. heaven to earth, if you will.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, the, the striking image is how the, uh, there is a fluidity um, in the cosmos, there's a fluidity in the embryo. And as we grow, we tend to go into more rigid modes that lose contact with that initial fluidity and with the fluid nature of the universe. Um, yes. And so you're talking about bringing this back in sync.
1: Yes, and that's coming back to the potential. And that was also, my view on that was also really influenced by my experience with uh, biodynamic craniosacral therapy or craniosacral biodynamics. Mm -hmm. And in, in biodynamics, the craniosacral therapy comes out of osteopathy, where one of the basic premises is that health is always present. And in biodynamics, we really practice orienting to the health in somebody's system. So we might perceive, you know, where things are holding, but we're holding that within something much larger. And we also, similar to continuum, we perceive different levels of of being, if you will, this, you know, this physical body, um, but that includes fluid. And we find that the fluid um, has an energetic field as well. And it has a rhythmic expression, we call it tides, a, a tide. And, and then there's something much larger, which is very much like cosmos. We, we talk about the long tide, um, but it, it's got a very spiritual dimension to it. Also, mm-hmm. you know, when we sit with that and, and the ground of all that is what we call dynamic stillness and alive live and dynamic stillness, this, there's, there's often a perception of of light and sparkliness and, space and um, something uh, that we talk about is intelligence with a capital I. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Emily would call it biointelligence. There's some vast intelligence that is guiding our formation and it guides our formation as little embryos and it continues throughout life, although we're also affected by all the various Conditions of our lives, all the things we've had to, to deal with. And so, you know, how we form is a combination of all that. But we can dissolve and reform in any moment.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, as I'm just maybe inviting people who are listening to this to see um, what's happening inside not necessarily a sense of following uh, word by word, the concepts there, but maybe to see if there is kind of a sense of fluidity of something uh, reshaping uh, in the way you see the world as you hear this um, and have that sense of the possibility of connection from inside, to the inner intelligence inside and to a sense of connection with an outer intelligence outside and kind of a general sense of how that might reshape um, the sense of who you are.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, what that does is it creates a different context for us to reform in. Mm -hmm. So our consciousness, our awareness... Um, particularly if we're not just focused on the trauma of the past, you know, can help us to reform in a different
0: way. Yeah. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.